Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast, celebrating pro and college football history. This episode, the 1974 Pittsburgh Steelers draft with Steelers assistant coach Lionel Taylor, Steelers defensive tackle Charlie Davis, and Steelers beat writer Vito Stellino. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast. I'm Jackson Michael, author of the book, The Game Before the Money, Voices of the Men Who Built the NFL, and author of Red, White, and Columbia Blue, Chasing the Dream with the 1979 Oilers, and also writer-director of We Were the Oilers, The Love You Blue Era. All of those are available on Amazon.com. The Pittsburgh Steelers collected one of the greatest draft classes in pro football history in the 1974 NFL draft. Many people will say that it was the greatest draft of all time, and I certainly wouldn't debate that. The Steelers drafted four future Hall of Famers in that class, and each of those players played a very important role in the Steelers winning four Super Bowls over a six-year span, one of the greatest runs in pro football history. The Steelers picked receiver Lynn Swan in the first round, linebacker Jack Lambert in the second, receiver John Stallworth in the fourth round, and center Mike Webster in the fifth round, often overlooked about that 1974 Steelers draft is that they actually ended up with five Hall of Famers that were rookies that year. Safety Donnie Shell was signed as an undrafted free agent and was part of the Pro Football Hall of Fame's 2020 class. We have a tremendous program today featuring three guests. Steelers receiving coach Lionel Taylor, defensive tackle Charlie Davis, and writer Vito Stellino. Lionel Taylor was a star receiver for the Denver Broncos in the 1960s and the Steelers receiving coach for much of the 1970s. Davis was the Steelers' ninth round pick in 1974 and will share with us stories about making that team and winning Super Bowl IX. Also joining me is Vito Stellino, who covered the Steelers' during their 1970s Super Bowl run for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Steelers head coach Chuck Knoll was hired before the 1969 season. Knoll had previously worked on the Baltimore Colts staff under Don Shula and was on Shula's coaching staff for Super Bowl III. I'm going to cover Super Bowl III in depth with Upton Bell on the Game Before the Money podcast in Part 3 of three games that changed the NFL. Part one, of course, covered the 1948 NFL championship game, and part two covered the 1958 NFL championship game. Now, in 1969, the Steelers drafted future Hall of Famer Joe Green, and they also added another defensive lineman who proved very important to the Steel Curtain defense, Elsie Greenwood. The 1969 Steelers finished 1-13 in Chuck Knoll's first season, 
and ended up with the first overall draft pick of the 1970 NFL draft. They selected Terry Bradshaw with that pick. They also drafted future Hall of Fame defensive back Mel Blunt in 1970. So that's two Hall of Famers that the Steelers picked up in the 1970 draft. Now here's an overlooked fact. Between 1969 and 1974, the Steelers drafted at least one Hall of Famer every year except for one. That's at least one Hall of Famer in five out of six drafts. In 1974, the Steelers drafted four future Hall of Famers. Receiver Lynn Swan was their first round pick. Linebacker Jack Lambert was their second round choice. Receiver John Stallworth was selected in the fourth round. And center Mike Webster was Pittsburgh's fifth round pick. And then the Steelers scored another Hall of Famer as an undrafted free agent, defensive back Donnie Shell. Steelers receivers coach Lionel Taylor talks about the Steelers' strategy in the first round of the 1974 draft and how well things went Pittsburgh's way despite not having a third-round pick. We picked Lynn Swan, number one. We would have taken Stallworth if Swan hadn't been there. But the uh, scouting department, Dick Haley and those guys, and they knew what they were talking about, and Art Rooney Jr. So we took Lynn, number one, Lambert, number two. We didn't have a number three. There was Stallworth at number four. And that's a heck of a draft. Steelers beat writer Vito Stellino adds to Taylor's comment about the reason the Steelers chose to pick Lynn Swan rather than John Stallworth in the first round. Chuck Dole actually thought Stallworth might be a better pick than Swan, but the scout said, yeah, but Swan's going to USC. He's going to, you know, he's not going to last much longer. And the word at the time was that the Cowboys would have taken him on the next pick if they had passed him. So they couldn't have gotten Swan if they took Stolos in that round. And of course, Swan wound up playing a key role in beating Cowboys twice in the Super Bowl. He had big games both times. Wow, could you imagine the difference in the 1970s if Lynn Swan had slipped one pick and gone to the Cowboys at pick 22 in the 1974 NFL draft? Swan made huge plays in both Super Bowl X and Super Bowl XIII that were key to the Steelers beating the Cowboys. Would we be talking about Lynn Swan and Drew Pearson being one of the greatest duos in NFL history rather than Swan and Stallworth? Would Dallas have been the team of the 70s? We can't answer that, but it does show you how important the draft can be not only in building your own team, but in potentially blocking another team's pick. The Cowboys selected running back Charlie Young at number 22, and he only played three years for the Cowboys before leaving the NFL. So why didn't anybody else pick John Stallworth? Both Chuck Knoll and receiving legend Lionel Taylor thought Stallworth was a first-round talent. How did he last until the fourth round? Six other receivers were picked before Pittsburgh drafted Stallworth. Stellino tells us that Stallworth attended 
HBCU Alabama A&M, and apparently not very many teams had film on him. The Steelers did, however, thanks to scout Bill Nunn. Nunn was elected to the 2021 Pro Football Hall of Fame class as a contributor. Scholars was playing at a you know, small black school, got overlooked, and then there's a famous story about uh, there weren't a lot of films, and one of the keys to their thing was Bill Nunn, who had been a sports editor for Pittsburgh Courier, which at the time was a national newspaper. So he got some film on Stalworth, and they were supposed to send it around to other teams, and they kind of conveniently forgot to. Lionel Taylor, himself a great receiver with the Denver Broncos, and the first receiver to make 100 receptions in one season, tells us about what he had seen of Swan and Stallworth before the draft and shares his scouting report of both players. When I went to the Senior Bowl, you know, when you go to scout an all-star game, we only stayed one day with it. We flew in, had a plane waiting, we flew right back to Pittsburgh. And here's my report on Lynn Swan because they was questioning how fast he was. And I said, the only thing I can tell you about him, he gets open and catches the football. That was my report on Lynn Swan. And then Stallworth came up and he went down the field on a, on a, on a goal pattern and the quarterback laid the ball up pretty high and John waited for the ball to come down instead of going up to get it. And the defensive back knocked it down in practice. And just lucky, a few plays later, the same thing happened basically going the other way and John didn't wait for it. He went up and took it in the air, and I said, he's coachable. Pittsburgh drafted Swan in the first round and Stallworth in the fourth. In between, they picked Jack Lambert out of Kent State in the second round. Later, they picked Mike Webster out of Wisconsin in round five. Four future Hall of Famers in a draft that through 2021 only produced five Hall of Famers. For you trivia lovers, tight end Dave Casper was the other. After the draft was over, the Steelers signed future Hall of Famer Donnie Shell. That's five Hall of Famers to one team in one draft class that so far has only produced six Hall of Famers. Two other players drafted by the Steelers had excellent NFL careers. One of those players was defensive tackle Charlie Davis from TCU in round nine. Davis spent seven years in the NFL. The NFL draft was not the spectacle that it is today, and it's often very interesting to hear how players learned that they were drafted. Here's how Charlie Davis found out that the Pittsburgh Steelers had drafted him. I came back from one of my classes for lunch. I stepped into the athletic cafeteria and one of the coaches said, congratulations. I said, thanks. And some other guys came up and said, congratulations. I said, well, okay, well, what's going on? They said, you hadn't heard? And I said, hadn't heard what? And they said, the Steelers drafted you. I said, oh, wow, that's great. I went on, went to sit down and have lunch. They said, hey. You need to get down to the athletic department. They're looking for you over there. <laughs> I said, I will. I'm just going to have lunch, that's all. 
Charlie told me that when he entered TCU, he focused on getting his Bachelor's of Business Administration degree completed in four years. He hadn't really thought about playing pro football until someone connected with the Steelers asked him about it at the North-South Shrine Game in Florida. Playing pro football was something that if it happened, it would be pretty cool, but I didn't spend a lot of time fantasizing about it or anything. And I just thought it would be nice if it happened. Whatever came along, I was going to work as hard as I could to make it happen once I was drafted. Pittsburgh's 1974 draft class stands as one of the best, if not the best, in NFL history. Four Hall of Famers and two other guys who played at least seven years in the NFL, plus an undrafted free agent that made the Hall of Fame. There really isn't a draft class that fully compares. Not only was that a special draft class, there were special circumstances surrounding that year's training camp. An NFL player strike organized by the Players Association started on July 1st. Most veteran players went on strike. Rookies, however, showed up to training camp as usual since they weren't eligible to join the Players Association until the regular season. That meant that the draft class of 1974 got a lot of extra practice time and a lot of extra training from coaches than they would have under regular circumstances. Charlie Davis tells us how he and the other rookies benefited. That strike, we don't know how much of an effect that it had on guys making the team, but it really gave us an opportunity to learn the terminology and all the nomenclature for the different plays and the system that they ran. We sometimes would have meetings in the evening with the defensive line coach, and it'd only be four or five guys. That meant we were running a 4-3 defense, so we would practice the whole practice. I mean, it wasn't like a lot of substitutes or anything, so we got our knowledge base down, and we got in pretty good shape, too. Once you know what to do, and you got that much time to work on how, you'll see the results. The veterans didn't return for several weeks, and the rookies felt confident about their extra practice time. Charlie told me that one rookie told a well-known veteran, hey, welcome to our training camp. That sort of cockiness illustrates how ready the rookies felt by the time the veterans returned. The Steelers enjoyed their first 6-0 preseason in history, and they were on their way to bigger and better things in 1974 after two years of playoff losses. The team won their first of four Super Bowls in the 1970s, beating the Minnesota Vikings in Super Bowl IX. But here's something interesting about those 1974 Steelers and that rookie class that might surprise you. Despite the fact that they had five rookies that were future Hall of Famers, only one of them cracked the starting lineup. Lambert was the only full-time starter. Uh, people don't realize that neither Swan or Stoller started their first Super Bowl win. It was uh, Ron Shanklin and Frank Lewis who were the starters. They didn't start till the uh, second year. And Wester uh, traded time with Ray Mansfield. At the start of Super Bowl IX, NBC announcer Kurt Gowdy 
mentioned that Steelers starting center Ray Mansfield hadn't missed a game in 11 seasons. And as Vito Stellino pointed out, Frank Lewis and Ron Shanklin started at receiver for the Steelers in Super Bowl IX. Lionel Taylor told me that for some games, Frank Lewis and Ron Shanklin started the first and third quarters for the Steelers, Stallworth and Swan the second and fourth. Glenn Edwards and Mike Wagner were the starting safeties for Pittsburgh in Super Bowl IX, so future Hall of Fame safety Donnie Shell played on special teams. Swan also played on special teams that year. Charlie Davis tells us some little-known facts about the Steelers' special teams unit with Shell, Swan, and another rookie, Reggie Garrett. There are some stats that people don't know about, but our rookie year, when we punted, Reggie Garrett and Donnie Shell was the outside gunners going down. Now, Shell was... He ran like a 4'4", four, 4'3", four, four, or something like that at about 198 pounds. He should have been a linebacker, but he was a safety. That year, either Reggie or Donnie made every single tackle on the punts, and most of them on kickoff returns. And we didn't notice this till around Thanksgiving or going into the playoffs that Lance Juan had fielded every single punt our rookie year and never signaled a fair catch the whole season. When you got teammates like that, you know it's special. The Steelers played a 4-3 defense in 1974 with three linebackers, Hall of Famer Jack Lambert, Hall of Famer Jack Ham, and could be, probably should be, Hall of Famer Andy Russell a man who made the Pro Bowl seven times. The Steelers' defensive line also had tremendous talent with all-time great Joe Green and another could-be, probably-should-be Hall of Famer in Elsie Greenwood and two great young players in Ernie Holmes and Dwight White. The secondary was solid with 1974 team MVP Glenn Edwards at safety and future Hall of Famer Mel Blunt at cornerback. Really, the only possible available starting job on that defense was at middle linebacker, as Lambert replaced Henry Davis, who was in his early 30s and suffered an injury in the preseason. Charlie Davis talks about his role playing behind Joe Green and Ernie Holmes at defensive tackle. I never really thought about, you know, how special I might be you know, physically, I was stronger than any other lineman we had on the defensive side of the ball. And I had really good speed. And just to play back up to both of those inside tackle positions behind Joe Green and Ernie Holmes was, uh, you know, a compliment to me. I, you know, I just said, well, you know, I'm just playing back up. But no, when we get on a tight and short yardage, and I, I mean like four inches from the goal line, they would put me in, and I'm like, why now? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, why didn't we do this around the 20, around the 30? I've made some plays inside the one on the sideline where I had to come out through the, the trash just to get out there to get to somebody. I've had to make some plays. I said it that way because I felt I had to make 
And so I was truly motivated to do that. When that 1974 Steelers rookie class entered the season, the Steelers had already made the playoffs two years in a row with a group of mostly younger players. That group went to the AFC Championship game in 1972. Again, Jack Lambert was the only rookie starter in 1974, despite five future Hall of Fame newcomers. Most of the other starters were entering their primes. Joe Green and L.C. Greenwood entered their fifth year, Franco Harris his third, and the same for Jack Ham and Dwight White. Even Frank Lewis and Ron Shanklin were younger players, and Shanklin made the Pro Bowl in 1973 and was also named the Steelers' team MVP that year. The Steelers made the playoffs for the third straight season in 1974. The Dolphins had won the last three AFC titles and the last two Super Bowls. The Raiders knocked off Miami in the divisional round of the 1974 playoffs in the famous Sea of Hands game, and the Steelers pounded Buffalo in their divisional game. Pittsburgh headed to Oakland to face the heavily favored Raiders. There's kind of a famous backstory to that 1974 AFC Championship game that Vito Stellino is going to share with us right now. Miami had won two in a row during the perfect season in 72, and they were going for their first straight Super Bowl, and they played at Oakland in the Sea of Hands game when Oakland rallied at the end. And Madden said going into that game, this was the best against the best, the two best teams. Well, so now the Steelers are ready to go to Oakland. And they had an up-and-down season in 74. Franco was hurt early in the year. Uh, because of that strike, uh, Gilliam looked great in the preseason. The Noel started him in the first six games before went back to Bradshaw. And then he benched Bradshaw for a seventh game after a bad game. So Bradshaw was uh, just still emerging. So the Raiders were home and a big favorite. Noel really used motivational tactics. Uh, he was like a teacher, and you know, he taught them how to play. He believed in self-motivation. But he said in, in the team meeting, uh, the best damn team in, in the NFL is sitting in his room, and Joe Green shot out of the chair and second of that motion. The Steelers won the 1974 AFC Championship game on the road at Oakland, and moved on to Super Bowl IX, where they dominated the Minnesota Vikings. You can learn more about the Steelers' offensive strategy in Super Bowl IX, including a special play designed for that game, in the Rocky Blyer chapter of the book The Game Before the Money, available on Amazon.com. The Steelers won Super Bowl IX by a score of 16-6. to Charlie Davis shares with us what it was like to be part of that 1974 Steelers draft class and winning the Super Bowl as a rookie. I think we were kind of in a dream. It was really hard to believe, and I'm not sure believe is the right word, you know, taking it all in and not really understanding the significance of what you just did or just became a part of being able to have my mom and family there and and have it in New Orleans, which was a great place to be. You know, it's just once in a lifetime 
going to the Super Bowl your rookie year for the very first time with a team and having your family there and winning and being able to wonder what happened. Where you go back out, and I can, these are my experiences, where you go back out there after the party is over at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning and you take in the stadium and the parking lots and there's a few cups or something blowing around in the wind and you realize life's all about timing. All the noise and the celebrations and everything that was happening six hours or so earlier and now it's all quiet. It's like uh, everything in life is about timing and you just don't want to miss it. 1974 was Charlie Davis's only year with the Steelers. He was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals where he started for several seasons. Davis is perhaps best known for having five sacks in one playoff game. He did that against the LA Rams in the 1975 NFL playoffs. The Steelers won Super Bowl X for their second straight title that season. The Hall of Famers from that 1974 rookie class played a greater role on the team, although Ray Mansfield still started at center rather than Mike Webster, and Edwards and Wagner still started at safety rather than Donnie Shell in Super Bowl X. The 1974 Pittsburgh Steelers draft is often cited as the greatest draft in NFL history. I don't usually like to pick the greatest of all time, but it's almost impossible to argue that point in this case. Several teams have drafted two Hall of Famers in the same class. A few teams have drafted three, the 1957 Cleveland Browns, the 1958 Green Bay Packers, and the 1964 Dallas Cowboys. The 1964 AFL Denver Broncos also drafted three Hall of Famers, but they all signed with NFL teams. That's another story for another day. The 1974 Steelers are the only team to pick four Hall of Famers in the same draft entering the 2021 draft. And they signed a fifth after the draft. There really isn't any comparison to that Pittsburgh Steelers draft of 1974. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Game Before the Money podcast. Special thanks to Lionel Taylor, Charlie Davis, and Vito Stellino for interviewing for this episode. Lionel Taylor will be on again soon as I'll put together an episode on his life and outstanding career. I'm also putting together episodes with Bob Stein of the Super Bowl IV champion Chiefs and George Toma, the man who has been the head groundskeeper for every single Super Bowl. Super Bowls 1 through 55. So remember to subscribe to the Game Before the Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Remember that podcast transcriptions are available at thegamebeforethemoney.com and powered by our transcription partner, Sonics. 
spelled S-O-N-I-X. Visit sonics.ai to learn more. Thank you.